Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. Well, hey, I'm going to jump straight in today. Is that okay? Yep, no stories, no jokes, no nothing, just straight in. Is that okay? I'm out of material. Matthew chapter 5, can you turn there for me? Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to start reading from verse 13. We've got it up on the screen, I think, as well. And uh, let's read. It says, You are the soul of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I've titled today, thinking about that verse in this passage, you have more influence than you think. It's interesting in today's society, when we think of that word influence, we think of the biggest, loudest, most popular, successful stories and people and celebrities than that the world has to offer. And that's generally what we think by influence. However, most of us in this room will know that we are influenced by people close to us. I've read one quote that says the most influential person in one's life is one's mother. And in a lot of ways that can be true. And so it's Those people close to us often influence us very early or maybe later in life when we're trying to learn things. And then throughout our journey, we get influenced by various people along the way. And so I want to look at that today, but specifically looking at this passage of Matthew chapter 5, the salt and light, this issue of us actually not hiding who we are in Christ, but letting our light shine, letting our voice be heard and letting our influence go forth for His glory and for not necessarily for our own success, but ultimately it brings about our fulfilment. And so looking at this area of influence, there's a a great uh, business author, his name's Jim Rohn, and he says this, there are two parts to influence. First, influence is powerful. And second, influence is subtle. You wouldn't let someone push you off course but you might let someone nudge you off course and not even realise it. In other words, sometimes the subtle influences in life have the most effect down the track. It might be very subtle. It might be an encouragement of a parent or it might be an affirmation of someone who you really, your coach or someone who you just really look to and you love that affirmation and it just nudges you in the right direction and it sets your course. Oftentimes, 
maybe at school or after school when we get into something, where we get encouraged is often where we'll begin to sow more of our lives. And so in those areas, we grow and we get better and bigger, and it has a big influence. It might have started with one little encouragement, might have started with a tiny little nudge from someone that actually influenced the rest of our lives. And most of us would probably have a testimony of some example in our lives where we've been influenced by someone, they might not even know it. And I want to encourage you, you have influence over other people. It's when you go to the, even the checkout in the, in the shopping centre, the demeanour and the attitude of that person who serves us has an influence on our day. Um, Karen and I go to the gym and one thing we comment on is you don't always feel like going to the gym, especially this week with this weather. Um, it's not exactly conducive to good thoughts of, uh, you know, going and working out. But you get in there and it's interesting that the, at the gym we go to, they're obviously really well trained and, and they really train their staff to smile, look at you and say, hi, how are you? And really get you into that. And so immediately we've recognised that we go in knowing that we're going to get a smile, knowing that we're going to get a how are you and have a good workout or something like that. And so we come in and with an expectation of positivity we, and we're sure enough it's delivered and then we go in and we get in on it. Now those people are doing their job but they're having an influence. And that's what you and I have in every transaction we have with another human being, we have influence. We have an opportunity to influence them for good or not. We have an opportunity in our work situations to influence people. And oftentimes we don't even have to use words. It's just our impressions or what we don't say. There, the, the maybe there's a bit of negativity going on and you're trying to get pulled in on that negativity. And, um, you know, it's often called the water cooler conversation. You ever heard that term? Okay, maybe you haven't. It's called the water cooler conversation when a few people are huddled around the water cooler in the, in the work setting and you know, okay, something's going down. <laughs> Who's getting the sack? You know, it's, it's like something's going on in the workplace because there's a little bit of uh, conversation going on. And, and so not getting drawn into that stuff actually influences people. And sometimes it's those very little things. That's, that's the point I'm making is that we often think that influence has to be massive. And so we set our sights on such big things that we never reach it. Influence begins today. Influence begins in the next hour, in the next two hours, in the next 24 hours. Influence takes place all the time. It's, it's the impression people get from us. And we all watch other people and other people watch us. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11:1, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Even Paul was influenced by Jesus, obviously, and he says, be influenced by me. Be influenced by my example, how I treated other people, how I loved God, how I served God, how I lived my life. And obviously his letters are exhortations for us to rise up and commit and do great exploits for the kingdom. But he's saying here, imitate me. There will be people in your life who you look to who will be a great influence. There'll be others who aren't. And often who we hang around, we become. Often who we listen to, we become, even if only in a little sense. It doesn't even have to be loud. It doesn't have to be broadcast all over social media. But 
covertly inside of us, we become who we hang around. It's amazing how um, when we're in that pack, we look like that pack. And we just get that mentality of those people who are around us. And so it's something we do consciously is look at what we're listening to and who we're hanging around and what voices we have in our lives so that we make sure we're getting as pure and as quality as we possibly can. It's why we have people like David Crabtree and Murray Avril and Peter McHugh and these guys coming over. These are seasoned uh, leaders who have serve the Lord for decades and decades and they've honoured the Lord. They're still walking with him and they've, you know, all three of them have transitioned in life actually uh, in a way handing over their churches or doing something like that and yet they are still serving the Lord and honouring the Lord in in a great way and that's why Karen and I seek out a lot of these leaders is so that we can be influenced by them in a good way and it rubs off. What rains on the head rains on the rest. And so we actually all get saturated in whatever God's doing and who we bring in and who we're listening to. And so it's a powerful thing. Your influence is not to be underestimated. Don't underestimate that influence that you have on that one other person. You never know who that one other person may become. You never know who who is listening to you. I find it interesting that sometimes... Um, maybe in family settings, maybe you've got a relative or, uh, or someone you know who you've been close to and maybe they're not walking with the Lord anymore and, and just the pure fact that you're still walking with the Lord, they resent that. And so they, you know, they know that you don't even have to say anything about Jesus, but just you and Jesus in you annoys them. This is influence. This is influence. And the thing is, we don't even have to say anything sometimes. And the fact that they're reacting is a good sign. See, the enemy wants to make us think that this is a bad thing. And, oh, no, you've got no relationship with them. They hate you. No, they don't. They're getting convicted by the Spirit of God, by you being in their presence, by just you being around them. And that annoys the enemy. And so that carnality, that sinful nature in them wants to reject Jesus in you. And so instead of actually seeing that as a bad thing, it's a good thing. And your influence, just as you love them and as you encourage them or you do whatever, I don't know, go to the footy with them or something, it's, it's having a good effect. And I think there's maybe some that I needed to remind that of today, that don't give up. Like Karen said, if you don't quit, you win. If we don't quit with those around us and we keep influencing them for the kingdom, whether we preach to them or not, probably more often than not, we don't even have to. We might just have to share with them, love them in in their way, not necessarily in our way. Um, You know, isn't that a big thing? You know, we tend to love people in our way, not their way. And, you know, it's something that I'm learning more and more that we've, we've got to actually learn people's love language so we can actually speak their language, not our language. And then we actually get a gateway of influence into their life. Because if we actually treat them the way they want to be treated, then they see that as love, not as condemnation. They see that as, oh, you care about me. You just don't want to tell me all your stuff. It's interesting. um, I had a, a great revelation of the Lord yesterday. I did a long run with sideways rain coming into my ear and wind. And, you know, it was, it was tough. It was tough. And, um, but anyway... I got through it, and it's interesting. You can tell a suburb by what rubbish is dumped in the curb. I don't know if you know what I mean. 
it is, there's some weird gear in the curb, I can tell you. You're running along and you're dodging things. It's like, how on earth did that get there? I mean, there's, I, I, running yesterday, there was a horse saddle. I mean, where, how, who just dumps a horse saddle in a curb? Now, in our area, that's probably a little more, um, you know, frequent than in other areas. But sure enough, I get a, a couple of Ks down the track and, you know, there's just a full bottle of Jim Beam. And I'm like, wow, I mean, for starters, for starters, that's a waste of money. Or either that they've drunk it all and they've peed it all back into the bottle and put it on neat, nicely again. But the things that go through your mind when you're running, you're looking at that body, you're thinking, who did that? Why did they waste that money? The bottle's in pristine condition. That must have happened in the last 24 hours. I mean, all these things are going through in my head. Anyway, why am I saying all this? It's incredible the junk that we give out, that we don't even know why we're giving it out. And it will tell a lot about who we are and where we live and how we live, about what junk we give out. What do we throw out the window as we're driving along? I mean, it's funny, I get all sorts of toots. I don't get wolf whistles, but I get toots. <laughs> I don't know if they're angry toots or good toots, but I take them as angry toots. Uh, sorry, I take them as good toots because otherwise you're sort of, you know, what did I do? Did I cut someone off? And, uh, and so it's an, it's an interesting journey, but you learn a lot about the human mind and culture. And so I'm thinking on this yesterday, thinking, wow, what sort of rubbish do I give out? What sort of stuff do I discard? Because it says a lot about me. It says a lot about what I don't value. It says a lot about do I even value that area or that region or do I deal with my stuff rightly and correctly in the proper rubbish bin? You know, you've got so many colours these days. It's difficult, isn't it? It is, it's a real mess. And if it's pouring with rain, I know some of you, just like me, you're tempted to throw it in the wrong bin and then you walk away with conviction because you put the wrong stuff in the wrong colour and so you go back out there and you pull some plastic out of the recycling thing. And I mean, it's a drama in modern day society, isn't it? It's intense. Just poke the person next to you and say, I love you. Our influence says so much about who we are. The, the interactions we have and the, the, uh, the conversations and the effect that we have on other people says so much about us. And just like what we discard, I often ask the question even of myself, what effect is that having on other people? Stephen Covey, great ethical business leader, he said this, in order to have influence... You have to be influenced. We're all influenced by something, someone, and we need to watch out for how much we are influenced by certain things. It's no secret, I'm a fan of The Rock. I think he's a good guy. He's certainly buff, if nothing else. But I find sometimes, sometimes when I watch him, and, uh, you know, he's very full of himself. I mean, I'll, I'll give him that. I think he even admits to that. He's very self-confident and very successful, et cetera, et cetera. But sometimes when I, I watch it, I think, wow, there's a million people watching this post right now all trying to be like him, all trying to listen to his words and all trying to do these things. Now, in a lot of ways, this is good. There's nothing wrong with that. We, we need good influence. But we've got to be careful 
who we're being influenced by and what we're looking at. What are we trying to be like? If we are trying to be like the world, it is the tail wagging the dog. It really is. We're selling out. We're selling. It doesn't mean we can't look good and, you know, listen to music and go to the movies and all this sort of stuff. It's completely missing the point to to say all that. But what it is, is these things are not our goal. They're mere entertainment along the way. The goal is Jesus Christ. The goal is to imitate him. The goal is to imitate and let that influence us. Let that influence our brain and our soul and our thinking and our behavior and our reactions and the garbage that we're getting out and making sure that we're doing that rightly. Imitating Jesus Christ almost seems too hard sometimes in its simplicity. It's so simple, it's boring. I don't know about you, but influence is kind of like momentum. I don't know if you've ever tried to build momentum in your life in any particular area, but I'll relate it to, to say, in exercise. For me, it's one of those things. If you have a few weeks off, it's like, oh, my gosh, I just, I'm out of the flow. I'm quite a right routine person, and if that routine gets broken for a couple of weeks, it's kind of like breaking the law. It's just like I, I really have to get back in the zone and really have to work it. Um, and so... To that end, I have to have to be quite conscious about what I'm doing and what I'm not doing. And then when I look at these areas and I think, actually, some of the most powerful people are people who build momentum in silence, build momentum when no one's looking. I believe the greatest influences right now on the face of the earth, we don't even know who they are. We don't know their names. We don't know who they are, but somewhere... They're building a reservoir of relationship with Jesus and maybe they're praying, they're seeking. I mean, I was just reading something this morning that kind of just grounded me a little bit about the persecution of the church in China right now. I know there's persecution all around the world, but specifically in China right now, the government is coming down full on on uh, non-three-self churches, which is the non-government controlled Christian churches. And and so there's pastors being thrown in jail, elders being thrown in jail, and families uh, being locked up as well, or uh, certainly scrutinized. And so there's this this increasing persecution, and it makes you realize we are so blessed. We are so blessed in Adelaide. You are blessed right now, no matter what you're going through. You haven't got a government guard coming to your house this afternoon wanting to throw you in jail just because you believe in Jesus. We are so blessed. Sometimes we we need to shake ourselves out of the hot water and and get a good dose of cold air on us to realise that Jesus is in control. He knows what he's doing, that a lot of our lives is froth and bubble and we get so caught up and so concerned with the froth and bubble that we forget about the meat. We forget about the reality of Jesus Christ and who he is and what he wants to do with your life. He wants to do great things with your life. He wants you to be an influencer. It's a big term in today's social media, influencer. Everyone wants to be an influencer. Nothing wrong with it, but a lot of the influencers are trying just to be influencers so they can get popularity, to fill that orphan. Oh, I want to I be popular. I want to be popular. That orphan always needs feeding because it's insecure and it's fearful that no one loves them just for who they are. 
But we know we have a Father in heaven who loves us despite our sin, despite the rubbish we've thrown out into the curb along the way. And you know, if we could see a pile of rubbish that we'd put out throughout our lives, we'd look and go, oh my gosh, don't let anyone see that. But Jesus is the one who runs along the side of us on the curb and he takes all that rubbish. He takes all that negativity, all that fear, all that orphan, I'm not good enough. If you've ever said that to yourself, you now know how Satan talks. I'm not good enough. That's the voice of the devil. I'm not good enough. I'm too scared. I don't look good enough. I'm too insecure. I'm too shy. I'm too this. I'm too that. All of that is the enemy. It's the fiery darts of the enemy trying to bring you down and say, you can never influence anyone for good. You can never do anything for good. But the words of the Father is love and affirmation and encouragement. For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you to give you a future and a hope. And this is the words of a loving Father. And each one of us has a loving Father in heaven who is cheering us on. He's backing you in whatever you're going after. If it's for Him, He is right behind you. Don't fear. Don't quit. Don't let the enemy tell you you're not good enough. Don't let things stop you from great things in the kingdom because I believe that Christians, especially in the West where we are so free and we have so many things we can do, we don't even know where to start. We are so bored, we don't even know what to start on because we've got a million things at our fingertips. We've got time and capacity and availability. I know some of you are going, I've got no time, no capacity, no availability. But if you look at the worthless things we do, you have plenty of time. Plenty of capacity, plenty of finances, plenty of ability to be able to reach people for the kingdom and become an influencer. Even if it's only one person, just one person, it can make a massive difference. You never know who that one person is going to be. You never know what difference that's going to make in someone's life. And if not us, then who's it going to be? Because this world is a funny, weird, twisted thing that in the void of good voices, others will rise up. I don't know if that was always the case. I think it's more the case now than ever before because the ease of popularity of getting your voice heard in the media and in social media and just, just out there, that it's, it's filled with voices. And if not for good, godly, kingdom, powerful, loving voices of you and me, then it will get filled up with other stuff. I remember Patricia King, she came and preached here some years ago now. And I remember one of the things she said is, um, you need to be on social media and you need to influence people. And I remember sitting there and I'm thinking, I completely disagree with that. I'm not on social media. I don't like social media. I resent social media. I'm resisting going on Facebook and Instagram and all that sort of stuff. And I don't like any of that stuff. And sure enough, as time goes on, you realise that it becomes a language of today. I'm not saying you all have to jump on social media. You do whatever you like with that. In fact, it gets really tiring and boring anyway. But but there is a place for the Christian voice in the forefront of society, not in back rooms, not just in the shy little conversations where we feel tiny, where we feel like no one's listening, but actually in the forefront of society. You are actually the head, not the tail. Remember that when the media, when someone around you is trying to make you feel tiny, you're the head, not the tail. 
God's actually called you by His righteous Son to actually live in a royal atmosphere where you know your authority as a son or a daughter of the Most High. You're not lesser than. You're not the smallest person in the room. If you have Jesus and none of them, do you carry an authority that no one else does? No one else carries that influence and that authority. There's a time and a place where we need to use it. And I think that time and place is getting more and more and more. And it's getting, uh, we have to be wiser and we have to know how to speak. We have to know what to say and what not to say. But think of this. If not you, whose voice is that person going to listen to? Who are they listening to? What influence are they getting? Maybe if your voice can just be that loving, caring voice of integrity and of honour and of truth. This is a big deal in this day and age, truth. This word is being decayed and confused and contorted, even in the body of Christ. What is truth? What is truth? Jesus Christ himself is truth. And there's only one way to be saved, and it's through him. There is no other way. We're all sinners. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. And it's only through Jesus Christ that we can be saved. If you're sitting here today and you don't know Jesus, there's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to know truth and hope, and that's through Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is say, all right. Get rid of all that crap that I put in the wrong bin or I've thrown out all my life, all that sin, all that stuff. It's all been dumped. Jesus, take that from me. Wash me in your blood. Cleanse me. Free me from my sin. I want to live free. And as soon as we do that, we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And He connects us with the Father in heaven and gives us a free gift of eternal life. A free gift of eternal life. All that rubbish, all that stuff, it's all gone. It's all gone. We'll still struggle. We'll still have issues in life that we'll have to work through, but Jesus will be with us. And we don't have to do even a, a certain prayer. We can do it. It works. It's great. But if you're sitting here today hearing me, I want to encourage you, ask Jesus into your life, even right now. Give your life to him. Just say, I need you, Jesus. This is what I've been looking for. I need to live clean. I need to live free. One of the great things that I've learned, or I should even say, I think this is a key to influence, if you want a key. And it's in Proverbs 17, 22. And it says, A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. A joyful heart is good medicine. Or in my version, I'll just change it slightly, a positive heart is good medicine. Very similar, basically the same thing. But I believe that positivity is one of the greatest keys to influence. If you think about it, we want to be around positive people. We want to listen to positive people. We want to, we wanna, unless you listen to Jordan Peterson, I'd say he's sort of positive. Uh, I, I like Jordan Peterson. I find it very stimulating for my brain and, and he's a great, smart thinker. But there's a positivity in there anyway called truth. And, but when we, want, when we look at people, when we hang around people, we want positive vibes. We want positivity. We want a positive spirit. So therefore, we need to be one ourselves. We need to evidence a positive spirit even when others aren't. A positive spirit will get you in rooms that nothing else will. 
I've seen this with employees over the years. I can remember some of the guys on the shop floor and, you know, the time will come when we're expanding and going to the next level and straight away where we ask for applications for, you know, three new middle management roles. Uh, let's say a shift manager. Um, we ran shifts at the factory and so we'd always be hiring shift managers and especially when you're on increase, you might hire three or four shift managers. And I remember sitting down with the guys, looking at the resumes of the guys who have applied from the, sh the factory floor. Immediately, we are drawn to the positive ones. Even if they don't have the greatest acumen or skill set, we're drawn to them. Why? Because we know whenever we talk to them, we're going to get a good response. We know we're going to get a good effort. We know we're going to have a positive attitude around them and they're going to draw in that attitude from other people. Because iron sharpens iron. And so even sometimes where the skill set doesn't match, your positive attitude and positive spirit will get you promoted. It will get you into a next level of life. It will get you into a next level of prayer. It will get you into a next level of relationships. It will get you into a next level of influence. And I believe this is something that is on God's heart. Because Paul was a great influencer great influencer. He's influenced the whole world. Let's, let's be honest. And he says, imitate me. Imitate me. So we follow Christ as the ultimate, as the great one that we're to imitate. And then we follow others who are godly, who are loving, and who are carry authority and carry breakthrough on their lives. It's one of those things I used to think that it was the zap of a finger uh, uh, saying breakthrough in enough anointing and with the synthesizer playing in the chord of D sharp and, and, and maybe the lighting just enough with a little bit of mojo going on in the atmosphere and then my breakthrough is going to happen. Most of you will know it never happens because we're, we're waiting for magic. We're, it's, it's, it's magic. We're waiting for magic. Jesus is a person. He is a person. He's not some little formula of a, of a revival meeting. And, and I love revival meetings. But so often we've looked for a little technique, a little technique of, the, of releasing this or breaking through that. Breakthrough begins with us. It begins with what we do this afternoon. It begins with what we do tomorrow morning. I know it's going to be cold. It's going to be wet. It's going to be rainy. If you want to come for a 20K run, let's do it. Whatever it looks like for you, Take your influence up as of tomorrow to a new level and it begins with you. No one else, no one else. Because that's where it becomes most powerful. When we breed it and we incubate it inside of us, we can then give it away. We can't give away what we haven't incubated within. What we haven't grown and fostered within our own spirit, it's meaningless. It's if, if we haven't actually dwelt on it, lived it, breathed it, then it's one of those things that it's too, it's too cheap. It's way too cheap. It's one of the things that Karen and I, sometimes people will ask about you know, health things. Karen's been through a, a big health journey and recovered and, and got stronger and, and has got so many little pieces of information now after walking through that. And sometimes we'll, we'll talk to people, not from here, from other regions, and, and they'll say, oh, I'd love to, love to do that. And, and you kind of look and go, well, are you willing to pay the price? Are you actually willing to do what it takes to get there? Because anything in life is going to cost you. Anything good, 
successful, momentous, big is going to cost us. Are we willing to face the pain or are we happy with what we're in? To influence, we've got to break through to new levels. And we actually get face to face with Jesus and we actually say, how much of that stuff I'm hanging on to, you're not asking me to hang on to. How much stuff in, that, in my life am I even concerned with that you've never asked me to be concerned with? How much time am I consuming with things that you never asked me to be consumed with? Distill it down to the eyes of Jesus, like in the book of Revelation. His eyes are fiery eyes, and I imagine them to be so piercing and so true and so realistic that when I imagine, I've never seen them, but when I put them into my imagination, and that's what Scripture does sometimes, it gives us an image of God that we can then depict and go, wow, that's, what he, that's a little bit of what He's like. Then we see truth. And truth sets us free, sets us free from ourselves, from wrong thinking, from wrong behaviours, from limitations, blockages, all of these things in our life. You were not created to just live a mediocre life. You were created to influence. You were created to live a breakthrough lifestyle, not to wait for someone to touch you and call out a breakthrough. Your breakthrough begins with you. Your breakthrough begins with your eyes and Jesus' eyes fixing, seeing each other and realising that He will transform you. He will transform you. But He actually asks us a lot of questions in that transformation process, doesn't He? Will you come? That's what He said to the disciples when He's calling. He said, come, come, follow me. They had to sacrifice something to follow Him. They had to give up businesses, fishing businesses, and they had to give up their boats. I often think, wow, who got that boat? It's just a weird thought. But I think like that. It'll cost us. Your next breakthrough will cost you. Your next level of leadership, influence, momentum is bound to cost you something. But it's a good thing. I want to encourage you, pay the price. Pay the price. Pay the price. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. I want everyone to stand. Let's lift our hands and let's just ask the Lord to give us his revelation today. Give us his revelation of his eyes, his love. And whatever he reveals to you by his spirit, whatever needs to go, just get rid of it. Whatever, whatever wrong thinking, if there's any limitations or blockages in your life to, to going to that next level of freedom and of truth, not living any lies, not living in disappointment, not living in brokenness, not living in those places that the enemy wants to keep us in prison, but actually going, setting ourselves free and letting the truth of Jesus Christ make us free because that's what he wants to do. Sometimes all we have to do is realise by faith that he's done it, that he's done it. So Lord, we thank you today. We thank you that you've taken all our garbage, all our rubbish, all our wrong thinking, everything, you've taken it all. And we give it to you freely today, Jesus. I ask Holy Spirit that any areas of our life that need to be unlocked, broken, released, Lord, that today you would release new men and new women, even in spirit and in truth, to see bigger, to dream bigger, to hope for more, 
to not revel in the past, but look forward and celebrate the future. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us with your hope, your destiny, your truth, so that we may influence this region for the kingdom of God in fresh new ways that you will let restrictions go, all those excuses, we give them to you. All those blockages, we give them to you. Any negativity, we give to you. Today, it's yours, Jesus. It's not ours anymore. It's not ours anymore. Let your hope arise in our spirits. Let your hope arise in our spirits. Holy Spirit, I pray even right now that you may anoint this time together with a touch of your hand, And let hope arise to new levels in each one of us. Let us see great things. Let us speak great things. Carrying a positive spirit, a breakthrough spirit. Lord, I pray for those of us who need motivation to do whatever you're asking us to do. I pray that you would fill us with that motivation. Freshness, freshness, ideas and creativity and thinking and breathing and living and and a joyful spirit, a joyful spirit. A joyful heart is like good medicine. This world needs good medicine. Mental illness is rife. So Lord, we ask for a spirit of joy, the oil of joy, that you would fill us with the oil of joy. Even when others are not joyful, you give us your joy. A breakthrough spirit of joy and positivity. Lord, I thank you for each one of us. I thank you for the influence for the gifting, for the anointing that you have called and given every single one of us. Lord, I pray for increase this week by your Spirit, in the power of your Spirit, that you would increase your anointing on our lives, increase your influence in and through us. And we say, Lord Jesus, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this region as in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen.